Welcome to the More Than Fitness Podcast. Hello, podcast friends, and welcome to mini-sode number 69 on the More Than Fitness Podcast. If you hear a crisp new audio sound, that is because I have a new mic. As you can see on the video podcast, we've got a little bit more clutter here with my mic stand, but... I'm waiting for another piece to come in. It'll make it a little bit prettier. I'll be able to have a little bit more hand space because you guys know I love to use hand movements whenever I speak. But shout out to my audio guy, young David, as I like to call him for for hooking me up with a new dynamic mic, making sure that the levels and the sound is always of the highest quality for you guys. So anyway, let's go ahead and get into it today. We're talking about understanding body weight scale fluctuations, and how to use it effectively. All right, so there's been a recent trend lately by fitness influencers, coaches, everyday people, anti-diet culture people to say, fuck the scale. They say to throw the scale away. Uh, They say that it causes eating disorders, and they have all these other claims that just are not backed by research. Um and also so like here's the deal like i couldn't give two shits if you use the weight scale or not like i'm not going to lose any sleep over it or anything like that but to say that no one should use a weight scale or that it doesn't have benefits especially for people who are trying to lose body fat and gain muscle i think that that's completely inaccurate um and i also think that it just creates more fear around it in the first place, which I'll get to in a little, in a little bit, but to drop some science on your heads real quick, because like I said, the claims are not backed by research, but what is backed by research is using the scale for weight loss. So a systematic review in 2011, and I will happily put this review in the description so that for you, one person who wants to check my claims, feel free to, but in the study, it quoted In the weight gain prevention trial, only daily weighing was associated with weight losses and less frequent weighing was associated with weight gain. More frequent self-weighing was associated with a greater 24-month weight loss, right? So, uh, and of course, that's one systematic review, but there's other evidence as well that definitely um, points toward the truth being The scale absolutely matters. And if you think about it, the people who typically avoid the scale altogether are people who just don't want to see how uh, um, little progress they're actually making, or in fact, how much they're regressing on the scale. They're, They're afraid to step on the scale because they don't want to know how bad they're doing. If you never step on the scale, well, you never know if you're gaining weight or not, right? But again, Clearly, that's that's not a good way of doing things. Uh, I think hiding from what you're afraid of uh, will only make the problem worse. And this is what I was alluding to earlier. Not stepping on the scale means that you're actually giving the scale power over you. Uh, so instead of just avoiding the problem, you think, I mean, this is this is what uh, many psychotherapists do, psychologists do, uh, exposure therapy. Like you don't avoid the problem or try to hide from the problem, right? You you face the problem head on, figure out how to overcome it, and then you become a stronger person on the other side, right? So I would say instead of avoiding the scale entirely, for most people at least, 
I would say educate yourself on why the scale is doing what it's doing, why it's fluctuating and understand that the scale is only one tool in the toolbox whenever it comes to reaching your fitness goals. And speaking of fluctuations, and since this is about understanding body weight scale fluctuations, let's go ahead and get into what causes scale fluctuations. So the first one is going to be your carbohydrate intake. A lot of people don't know this, but for every one gram of carbohydrate that you consume, another three to four grams of water comes along with it and is stored along with it um, uh, to process it, basically, to, to keep the science to a bare minimum. Um, but this is why when people go on a low-carb or ketogenic diet, uh, they, they see rapid weight loss, not necessarily fat loss, because they're they're mostly losing just a lot of that water weight because they're not consuming the carbohydrates in the first place. And so they see those initial drops in body weight, not necessarily fat loss, because there's a, a big difference between weight loss and fat loss. This is two important um, distinguishing matters. And inversely, if you're ending a period of low-carb or ketogenic dieting, you can expect the weight on the scale to go up. Once you introduce carbohydrates again, it's not just you magically getting uh, way heavier or way fatter. It's literally because your body is storing more water in the first place. So carb intake can be can be one cause of the fluctuation. Uh, another one would be water retention. So how much water uh, you normally drink on a regular basis, if you drink less than that, or maybe if you drink more than that, that's going to cause a little bit of fluctuations. Sodium balance. So if you've ever eaten, you know, Thai food or Chinese or something, or fast food, right, or eating in a really salty restaurant, you wake up the next day, you're feeling all puffy, you're watery, you're bloated. It's like, that's, that's why you had more sodium than you normally do. So if you increase your sodium or decrease your sodium uh, different than what you normally do, you'll probably see a little bit of weight fluctuations there. Next up would be your menstrual cycle for the ladies. Um, it's going to cause some water retentions depending on different phases throughout your menstrual cycle. Um, that can be an entire topic in itself, but just know that whenever it's that time of the month, don't be surprised, or even whenever it's close to that time of the month, you could see some fluctuations. Next would be stress levels, right? So cortisol, things like that. Whenever you're feeling really stressed, um, it's something that can cause water retention. Uh, it's just, it's a safety mechanism. It's, it's very normal. Uh, your body just retains that water. The next one would be poor sleep. So we actually, uh, people also don't know this, but you are, um, so you are, or you are breathing out carbon dioxide and you're actually breathing out some of that water, right? While you are asleep. Um, and so whenever you're sleeping and of course you're also not eating, so you're fasting during that time. That's why whenever you go to bed, uh, you're at one weight. And then whenever you wake up, you're typically at a lower weight than that. It's because you're literally breathing, exhaling water out of your body. So whenever you think about it, whenever you sleep less in general, like if you normally sleep eight hours and then this day you slept four hours, well, one, it's going to be a shorter period of time between your last meal and whenever you woke up and weighed yourself, but also you're going to be exhaling less water overall. So poor sleep is one of them. And then again, segues nicely into my next point, which is timing of the last meal. So if you normally eat dinner, let's say at 7 p.m., 
and then you wake up at 8 a.m., right? And that's whenever you typically weigh yourself, you're going to have one set of, of weights. But if you typically uh, or so say you, you, you normally go to bed at 10 and then now you go or you normally eat dinner at 7 and then now you have dinner, say, at 10 p.m. and you wake up at that same time. Well, there's less of a gap between whenever you had dinner and whenever you woke up. Uh, so there's a good likelihood that your weight will be a little bit higher um, the next morning. Basically, you eat later in the <laughs> later in the night, the, the more chance of having a higher weigh in than normal. Um, okay. So also two left, the time you weigh in, if you normally wake up at 7am and, and weigh yourself every day, it's going to be different. If you wake up at say 4am or maybe even 10am, there's going to be differences there. So try to keep that as consistent as possible. And the last one, my absolute favorite alcohol consumption. Uh, alcohol is a diuretic. You're actually going to uh, lose a little bit of water weight typically, unless you're like me and you have some amazing delicious foods at 2 a.m. after a night of drinking, which you absolutely probably shouldn't do, especially if your goals are fat loss. <sighs> Nonetheless, it's it's fun. and But just expect that sometimes whenever you drink alcohol, it can uh, cause a little bit less of a weight spike than normal because it is a diuretic um, and, and so, yeah, expect some changes there. Um, but so real quick, recap all of these, what causes scale fluctuations? We have carb intake, water retention, sodium balance, menstrual cycle, stress levels, poor sleep, timing of your last meal, the time you weigh in and alcohol consumption. And, and to recap all of that and kind of put it into more of a practical sense, it's like, this is why one day you may weigh in at 160 pounds one morning, eat exactly the same amount of food as you did the day before. And then, uh, the next day you wake up at 163 pounds. So you're like, what the shit I'm supposed to be in a calorie deficit. I didn't change anything with my diet, but I still woke up heavier. Well, it's because all of these other factors could have came into play. You could have been more stressed. You could have got shittier sleep. You could have, um, had more sodium than normal, right? All of these things factor in to what your scale weight will be, uh, in the morning. I think the, the, the best thing that I try and, and tell my clients to remember is that the more you quote unquote expect the scale to go one way or the other based off of what you did the day before, the more disappointed you're going to be. Uh, it's only one piece of data towards the bigger picture. And so that's what I want people to remember is that these daily fluctuations, I would not worry about them. Don't try and force them to do one thing or the other. Don't try and expect your weight to do a certain thing based off what you did the day before. It'll probably be, dis it'll probably disappoint you and make sure that you also remember that the scale is only one tool in the toolbox of figuring out, okay, what is my progress actually doing? Um, which I want to move next towards, uh, how to use the scale effectively. So you are choosing to use the scale. Okay. Now you understand that the fluctuations are going to be what they are. You've accepted that you're not expecting anything. However, you want to make sure that going forward, you do use the scale effectively as a tool to measure your progress with the hundreds of people that I've worked with one-on-one. -on -one, and then of course I use the scale, uh, on a regular basis myself. Here is how I would recommend you do it. I would say, First, weigh yourself first thing in the morning after you wake up. Um, 
and after you use the restroom, right? That can cause uh, a little bit of fluctuations there. If you've got to take a huge dump, I'm telling you that's going to make a difference if you weigh yourself before and after, which can be a fun little experiment you can do on your own time. Um, so yeah, weigh yourself first thing in the morning after you wake up and after you use the restroom, but before you eat anything, because you don't want to eat something, then step on the scale because you have that food in your gut that can screw with things, right? Next, I would write that weight down and the time of day you weighed in if you usually wake up at various times. If you normally wake up at the exact same time each day, then you don't have to write it down. Um, just make sure that you note the weight um, that you that you weighed in that morning. Then I would say I would say a minimum of probably three to four times per week is about what I would have people weigh themselves. Uh, the more times you weigh yourself, the more data you're going to have to get a better average, which comes at my next point. So at the end of the week, take an average of your daily weigh-ins. Um, so add all weights together and divide by the numbers of days that you recorded for you math geniuses out there. That's how you take the average. Um, but that average number is going to be most close to your quote unquote true body weight, right? So don't take any one day as your true body weight. I would take the entire average of the entire week. Um, right. So, so take the average of your daily weigh-ins at the end of the week, then make sure you combine this tracking of the, of the weight scale, uh, with tracking your calories each day, uh, to figure out if you need to eat more or less based around your goals. So if your, your goal is to lose fat, you want to make sure that that average weight on a weekly basis is trending downwards. So even a pound of week, losing a pound of week and, and four pounds in a month, that's amazing progress. Uh, but making sure that you see that trend, uh, that weight trend going downward, then you know, okay, you're probably losing some body fat. If your goal is to gain muscle, you want to make sure that the weight is going the other way, consistently going up on a regular basis. So about a pound a week is another good goal. Um, that's just a good baseline for, for most people. Uh, the more consistently and the more accurately you track both food and weight, uh, the better idea you'll get about where you're currently at in terms of your fitness goals. And remember that progress is not linear. Um, you know, again, going back to expectations, don't try and force your body to do anything or expect that it's going to do one thing or another based off of everything else you're doing. Everything that you're doing is just data so that you can get a bigger idea of the bigger picture and you can make adjustments based off of that, right? Uh, and lastly, if you hear all of this and you still don't want to use the scale, that's totally fine. By all means, don't use the scale. It's okay for some people. It really is an issue. Uh, and, you know, I, I sympathize with that. Other tools for tracking uh, your progress include body measurements, pictures, strength in the gym, and or using your favorite belt or pants, right? Uh, the more tools you use, the more accurately you can track progress. So if you want to use all of them, more power to you. It's going to be a little bit more tedious, but the better, bigger picture you're going to have of your entire progress, right? And so that is it, my friends. Hopefully that gave you a little bit more um, relief whenever it comes to the scale, understanding it a little bit better and how to use it effectively. Okay, and that is it for mini-sode number 69 on the More Than Fitness Podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening with this crisp microphone and for watching. See ya.
And that is that, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the More Than Fitness Podcast. And please, if you could help me out a little bit here and leave a rate and review in iTunes and also take a screenshot and post it up on your IG story. Tag me at mattmcleod 6 I'd love to share it. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast and also so that we can share the word with other people. I would love to build up this community, build up this tribe of people that we have like you and I uh, and get the word out there. Uh, Also, if you want more free content, you can check the links in the description. I have my free four-week workout plan, The Ultimate Physique Development. And also, if you want to work with me online, one-on-one for personal coaching, you can check the link in the description as well. Uh, And anything else you need, please send me an email, send me a DM. I would love to hear from you. Again, thank you so much for listening.